Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? Ridiculous, What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the college football playoff. I feel like I'm welcoming you to Jurassic Park or something. Um, probably a short episode this week, really just previewing the two college football playoff semifinal games. Uh, one, of course, between Notre Dame and Alabama, the other between Ohio State and Clemson. Uh, as I mentioned uh, last week's pod, I got to 26 and 25 with my picks on the year. So I gave out uh, one pick for, for each of these two games. And if I win both, get to 28 and 25, cancel out the VIG, and uh, and I'm positive for the year. So that's the goal um, with this week. Um, not to get ahead of the picks, but I did give them out on Twitter a couple days ago. Uh, got slightly more favorable lines than, than where they are right now. So uh, the money moving in the direction, um, with my picks. And I, I still, uh, I would still recommend both sides of the play, uh, that I gave out even where the numbers are moving. And with that, let's just get right into the matchups. Um, I'll go, I'll go out of chronological order here and just talk about Alabama, or excuse me, uh, Clemson and Ohio state first, even though that will be the night game on Friday. Um, there are a couple of things working against Clemson, I think, in this game. Number one, um, Nolan Turner, starting safety, had a big interception uh, in the game last year um, against Ohio State. He will miss the first half for Clemson after a targeting call in the ACC championship game against Notre Dame. Another thing, word was just uh, announced that Tony Elliott, offensive coordinator and play caller for Clemson, is not going to be traveling to the game due to COVID-19 concerns. That is a big deal. Now, I have to imagine a place like Clemson, especially when Tony Elliott could be leaving for a different job really at any time, they probably have, you know, someone in place there that is capable of taking over and calling plays. But, you know, they lost Jeff Scott within the last couple of years. There's been a lot of turnover in that offensive room. And, you know, Tony Elliott's been the guy. So, you know, Clemson... I'm sure they've got it figured out, but it's not something where you can just plug someone in. You know, Brian Kelly, for example, at Notre Dame, just speaking about the situation I would know best, he's an offensive guy. He has his hand in the offense. And if Tommy Reese were to ever, um, you know, not be able to call a game, then Brian Kelly could probably step in and know what he wanted to do with the offense. That's not necessarily the same kind of thing with Dabo Sweeney uh, at Clemson. So definitely uh, will be interesting to know who is going to be calling the game, uh, calling the plays for the Tigers in that one. And that could have a definite impact. And then lastly, um, you know, if you're on the internet at all, you're very aware of sort of uh, all the back and forth digs between Clemson and Ohio State. And I think, you know, with Davo ranking them 11th in, in the coaches poll, and he certainly has the right to do that, it's just adding a lot of bulletin board material for these Ohio State Buckeyes. And it's interesting to me because just naturally, everyone kind of talks about Ohio State as that third program in there with Alabama and Clemson right now. And I think this year, they are trailing. They, they definitely are lagging behind those other two in a way that I think would be exposed on Friday night. But by kind of calling that out, 
now Dabo is giving a team that usually he would be able to say, oh, you know, this is a this is going to be a really tough game for us and be able to motivate his own players, even though his team is probably better. Now, by calling out, you know, making them number 11 and, and saying, you know, he doesn't think they belong in the playoff. Now you're sort of re-elevating them back up to your level and giving them a lot to play for and a lot to think about. And I, I just can't say I agree with with Dabo's, uh, you know, plans there and, and what he's doing. And I don't think it's a good idea for him to be adding fuel to that fire in what is uh, definitely becoming a rather heated, you know, I, I can't really call it a rivalry because they're not playing regularly, but they did play last year in a really exciting game with with some questionable calls on both sides and um, a lot of bad blood after it and, and just, you know, further, uh, further fanning those flames. So definitely um, something to keep an eye on in terms of just I could see a lot of chippiness in this game, a lot of trash talk, a lot of hard hits. Will definitely be interesting to see what happens there. From the Ohio State side of things, and just looking at the rosters on paper, Ohio State's not as good a team as Clemson. And I, you know, I don't think after Notre Dame got blown out by Clemson, it was kind of like, okay, well, it's really just the three playoff spots and who else? I don't think Ohio State, I think Ohio State's a lot closer to Notre Dame than they are to Clemson. I mean, I, I personally believe that Notre Dame's better than Ohio State. And, you know, so therefore, yes, obviously, Ohio State is closer to Notre Dame than they are Clemson. But I don't think it's that close in terms of talent on the field this year. And looking at what Ohio State has done, you know, they haven't played that many games. And they have certainly haven't played that many games against good teams. This will be a huge step up in competition for the Buckeyes. Their two best uh, opponents this year Indiana and Northwestern, they won those games by 7 and 12 points, respectively. Comparing that to Clemson's games against Miami and Notre Dame, yes, you know, without uh, a lot of key players, they did lose at Notre Dame in double overtime. But the other two matchups, when they were more at full strength, against two teams that I would argue are better than Indiana and Northwestern, uh, Clemson beat Miami by 25 and Notre Dame by 24. So, you know, just kind of comparing resumes, this doesn't look that close. And when I compare talent on the field, I mean, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think it's that close. You know, the receiver groups are definitely comparable in terms of talent. Um, and then, you know, quarterbacks, both teams have great quarterbacks, but Justin Fields is not on Trevor Lawrence's level. You know, offensive line, you could maybe give the edge to Ohio State there, but there's just not a lot of places across the field that I'm giving the edge to Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, I, I listed off all of those concerns for Clemson, you know, the, the bulletin board material. I think, I think no Tony Elliott is a very legitimate concern, but I think after all this talking, Clemson's the kind of team that's going to want to back it up and they're going to be able to do it. I think their offense, even without Tony Elliott has the pieces in place to carve up Ohio state. I think they put 45 points on the board against this Ohio State team. And then the Clemson defense, you know, since that double overtime loss to Notre Dame where they gave up 47 points, they've gotten a few guys back. Last three games, they've given up 17, 10, and 10 points. Um, Ohio State's offense, certainly a, a step up in competition compared to most of those teams. I think I'm actually being a little bit generous here. I think the Buckeyes get to 28. I'm looking at a 45 to 28 final I like Ohio State to cover the seven I gave out easily. If you're seeing it at seven and a half, I clearly still like that number quite a bit. 
again, I think it would have to take uh, it would have to take a real offensive breakdown for Clemson not to pretty much score at will in this game and ultimately cruise into the national championship. So that's the pick: Clemson forty-five, Ohio State twenty-eight. And speaking of offenses that cruise, that brings us to Alabama and Notre Dame. And I am obviously talking about Alabama in that respect. With uh, with with the Heisman finalist release, we saw who uh, five through ten were in the Heisman voting. Somewhat surprisingly, Ian Book did come in at number nine, and Najee Harris, running back for Alabama, came in at five. If you want my prediction, I think Alabama is going to be walking away with numbers one, two and five in the Heisman voting. That is absolutely absurd for an offense, especially when you want to combine that quarterback, running back, receiver combination with quite possibly the best offensive line in college football. Now, Alabama did lose uh, its starting center, so they are now uh, they are they are matched up with Notre Dame in that regard with taking a great offensive line and taking away the starting center. Um and, and, you know, it's not just those guys. John Mechie, um, who really stepped in when, when Jalen Waddell went down with an injury, he's you know, he'd be the number one receiver on most teams. He would certainly be the number one receiver on Notre Dame, a team who, who lacks real top-end talent at the receiver position. So even if you just want to focus on locking down Devontae Smith, John Mechie, John Mechie is good enough to absolutely torch this Notre Dame defense, and I expect him to put up big-time yards. I mean, when you look at Notre Dame and trying to stop the Alabama passing game, the four starters in the secondary, you've got Kyle Hamilton. He's a, he's a first round, he's a future first round pick and a probable all American and he's awesome. Um, but you know, he can, he's only one guy back in the back of the defense and he's a lot of times counted on to help in run support. Um, and then that leaves, uh, you've got, um, you've got a physical corner, um, that that's good in run support but isn't exactly a burner. Um, you've got a three-star freshman who shows some promise, but three star a three-star freshman who shows promise is not exactly who you want at cornerback against Alabama. And then you've got an undersized safety who has had major surgeries on both legs. So in terms of just raw material in the Notre Dame secondary, outside of Kyle Hamilton, there's just not a lot there. That, that leads you to believe they are going to be able to slow down this Alabama passing attack at all. And that's if the front seven can hold up against the run, no problem. Which is a big ask, especially when Najee Harris is as talented as he is, is as good a pass catcher as he is. This is just going to be a monumental task for the Notre Dame defense. Now... As I've said throughout this season, and a lot of people uh, have been saying, this Alabama defense is not quite, you know, the 2010 to 2015 vintage Alabama defense, and that is true. Now, that being said, this Alabama defense, you know, they gave up 48 points to Ole Miss early in the season. They gave up 46 points to Florida in the SEC championship game. And aside from that, they gave up 24 points twice and never above 20 points aside from that. Um, so <laughs> they're not chumps out there. They're averaging, giving up under 20 points per game. Uh, the 24 points they gave up against um, Texas A&M and Georgia, who are two teams that I actually think have comparable offenses to Notre Dame. Notre Dame maybe with a better offense than both of those two teams. And I think the thing here is, 
can Notre Dame's offense perform at their highest possible level? I think what happens in a lot of these big games when they are outmatched in terms of competition is the opposing offense gets off to a hot start, and then Notre Dame tends to get out of rhythm with their offense, and they can't quite, you know, get into what, you know, they can't follow their own game plan that would lead to their best offensive performance. They get out of rhythm. They have to start, you know, changing up their plans. And all of a sudden, they can't get more than three points in the first half. They end up with 10 points, similar to what we saw against Clemson. That being said, I do expect this Notre Dame team to come out and really play their very best. I can't think of another situation where a team plays in a huge game gets embarrassed, and then gets another chance right away to play in another huge game. And I don't think this Notre Dame team, I don't think they got exposed against Clemson. I think they played a bad game against a team that's better than they are. And they're now going against another team that's better than they are. But I think they'll ultimately have the come out chance to come out and prove that they, are, they can play a good game against a good team. Unfortunately, I just don't see playing a good game being nearly enough. I, I think if their defense comes out and plays well, we're talking about holding Alabama to 42 points. And I do think that's what we're looking at. I think Notre Dame holds Alabama to 42 points. I think the offense plays okay, but ultimately does get a little bit thrown out of rhythm given all the scoring that Alabama is doing. Therefore, I think final score, 42-21 to 21 Alabama. Uh, I'm laying 19 and a half. Uh, I think it's still available at 20 or 20 and a half. If it's below 21, I still like the number uh, for the Crimson Tide. I also think there is certainly, uh, in terms of the variance, I think there's more variance than that Alabama score. If this was 63 to 21, I'd certainly be disappointed, but I would not be shocked. Now, separately, now that I've kind of handicapped both the games, um, a bit of a segment here on what Notre Dame could actually do to keep this really close or win the game. And this is certainly not something that I expect Brian Kelly to do. But if they really want to win, I think they have to. And step one, you're using, I think you have to use four downs on offense. I would go into the game plan with no expectation of ever punting or kicking a field goal. Forget the fact that, you know, John Doerr has shown that he's certainly capable of, of missing easy field goals. Field goals aren't going to win this game. And, you know, let's say it's like fourth and seven. What do you have, like a 40% chance of picking up that fourth and seven? Do you have a better than 40% chance of making whatever field goal? Go for it on fourth down. Do not punt the ball back to Alabama. Obviously, later in the game, if there's a situation where punting is clearly the right thing to do, punt away. But early on, I think you set the tone thinking, we've got four plays to get a first down. We can keep the chains moving. We can keep the ball out of Alabama's offense's hands. I think you have to do that, especially... You know, four downs, you can three yards in a cloud of dust. All of a sudden, you're using up seven, eight, nine minutes on these drives, methodically moving down the field. That's, I think, the best opportunity for Notre Dame to win this game is to never punt the ball and be incredibly aggressive on offense. On the defensive side, I think you're actually going ultra conservative. You're doing bend but don't break. You are trying to prevent the big play, quick strike from Alabama, you are making them, A, take as much time off the clock as possible on every offensive drive, and B, the more they snap the ball, the more chance of a, you know, a rogue fumble or just a tipped pass at the line of scrimmage that becomes an interception, make them run as many plays as possible, both to, you know, kind of control the clock, 
And just, hey, maybe you get lucky. Maybe you stop them with a turnover of some kind. I think that's the best way to stop this Alabama offense is, you know, is with turnovers. And the more plays that are run, the more chances of turnovers. So that's what I'm doing with Notre Dame. I'm never punting or kicking a field goal. And I am playing ultra conservative on defense, uh, just hoping Alabama makes a mistake. Unfortunately, I think... uh, Brian Kelly is more likely to play a little more conservative on offense, ultimately deciding that, you know, he wants to kind of play a game plan that is less likely to get Notre Dame blown out. And I think that is precisely how you can get blown out in this game. You know, if if Notre Dame takes the ball early, goes three and out and punts, then, you know, all of a sudden it's it's two minutes later and you're down seven nothing. And that's just not the kind of uh kind of recipe for success, I think, for the Irish. So that's my parting words. The two picks, 45-28 Clemson, 42-21 Alabama. And if Notre Dame wants to win, no punts, no field goals, and make Alabama take as much time as possible to find the end zone. That's it for me. I will talk to you next week after we've seen the semifinals and are headed into the national championship game. Uh, Until then, Happy New Year and enjoy the games. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.